Will you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning? God, be born in us uh, this day. God, we offer our lives to you, and we ask that you be born in us. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Good morning, friends. Uh, I feel this is Christmas season. You all are feeling this is Christmas? Woo-hoo! All right, so I, I believe it is my uh, obligation, uh, that it is my responsibility, it is my duty uh, as your pastor to make fun of Hallmark movies this morning. Anybody watch Hallmark movies? All right, all right, all right. The other day I watched one, and it had an unexpected ending. It really did. I was shocked. Shocked. The boy and the girl fell in love. I was like, what? How did that happen? I, I really wish sometimes life was like a Hallmark movie, right? Everything ends and everything is perfect in an hour and 30 more minutes, right? Right, the, uh, the farmland is paid off. Anybody watch a movie with that? Come on, did you see it? Right, all right. right the bad corporation is somehow bellied up or went somewhere else. Did anyone see that? Yes, all right. Um, and, um, and jobs came back to the community. Did you see that? <laughs> all right. Um, and then the boy and the girl fell in love. Just, just so you all know, right? So, you know, I like yes, Hallmark is not what true life is all about. But yet, we kind of find ourselves in that space, right? When you watch a Hallmark movie, we kind of hope for those happy endings in our life. We hope for things uh, to bring a joy or a smile on our face. There are so many things that are happening in our own lives uh, that we want that something. You know, Christmas is coming in a couple of weeks, and and, uh, and there could be something that you all want. That there could be something that your kids might want. Uh, this is a huge generalization here. But whenever you think about that which brings you a smile or joy, uh, it's always related to prosperity, right? Like it's always related to wealth or good things um, that we kind of seek to have in our lives. It doesn't matter who you are, right? When you think about it, it doesn't matter what age, what gender, how, what your status is in the community, how wealthy an individual is. Like, our dreams, the ones that bring us joy, have to do with something good that might happen in our lives. That is what we all want. That is what gives us joy. That is what our heart's deepest longings are. That is what we want. You know, and for some of us uh, today, not, it's not something that money can bring, uh, that can bring us joy it's much more deeper and bigger than that. That's something that deep desire in our heart. That we want to be fulfilled in our own lives. That brings us joy. That brings us happiness. The joyful endings in our own life. Those are the things that we dream of. Those are the things that we desire in our mind's eye. Those are the things that we daydream about. That bring us joy. And this morning... Um, we read about a story of a guy who had another kind of dream. It was Joseph uh, who had a dream. And I want to talk a little bit uh, more about this dream and what that dream means for us. Uh, but uh, this morning, I want to um, 
I want to ask you this question, and I hope some of you would respond to this as well. Uh, one of the things that I, when I read the Bible, I feel like Joseph is the best husband ever. I really do. Any guesses? Why? Come on. The always the right answer is baby. When you're in Sunday school, the right answer always is Jesus, right? Like some of you can say Joseph is the best husband because he's Jesus' dad, you know? And I would say maybe, but there's another answer. Some of you might say, well, Joseph might have been the best husband ever because he was a carpenter. You know, his wife needed the door fixed. She's like, all right, honey, I'll do it. Right? It's not like, I don't know when I can call. I forgot to call the guy. You know, something he's fixing. Joseph fixed it right away. Right? I don't think that's quite the answer. You all don't want to know. Does anybody want to compete with Joseph, by the way? No? <laughs> John, you're always good for a good fight. Tabby's not here. Come on, get in the ring. <laughs> no? All right. Drum roll. Here's the reason why I believe Joseph is the best husband ever lived. All right, you ready for this? This is the honest to goodness truth. Read the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Joseph does not say a word. <laughs> Never. Never. The man is quiet. He does not say a word, ever. You know, I'm trying to learn from Joseph's wisdom here. When the Christmas decorations are being put up, I feel the need to comment. <laughs> Just where that certain thing needs to go on the tree to my wonderful wife. And she's like, why? Why do you speak? <laughs> Or which color we need to paint our house. And it, as if my opinion matters. Anyway, Joseph is the ideal husband. <laughs> He's the ideal, ideal husband because he does not talk at all. Going back to this biblical story. Um, so we learn that Joseph is engaged. Uh, and he's engaged to be married to Joseph. In this culture where uh, Joseph uh, and Mary lived, where Jesus was born... Marriage had a complete different significance um, in how we think about it. Marriage was not necessarily viewed in the context how we view marriage. Right now, the way we think about marriage is about um, two people coming together, falling madly in love because they have things in common that they make each other happy. That's the reason why in our culture people get married. But back in those days, that was not the primary motivator for someone to be married. For someone to be more married, there were essentially two goals as to why individuals got married. The first one was to provide a lineage. Having sons was really, really important. And that's what it was all about. If you read the Gospel of Matthew, that's where the scripture today was from. The Gospel of Matthew, the first couple of verses, it's all about lineage. Where Jesus' lineage is told. That Jesus was the son of David. And David's lineage goes all the way back to Abraham. That is what we learn. So that was really a driving force as to why people got married. 
And the second reason why people, individuals got married is because it meant economic security to the woman. It meant that the woman, the wife, would be taken care of for the rest of her life. That she would be given a roof, she would be given shelter, she would be given food, and she would be cared for. So that's what marriage was all about. So back in those days, um, there used to be an engagement, which was a legal agreement uh, between two families uh, that was there. And then the actual marriage would happen as well. Over the summer months, I attended a funeral for uh, a pastor friend uh, of mine. His name was uh, Bill Spiegelholder. Spiegelholder served a church where I served as well. And this man was a legend uh, in his own right. He was uh, known in the community. He did some amazing things uh, at this uh, church that he served at. And, um, and during that worship service, during that celebration of life service, I heard that when a young man gets engaged to a woman, that this is something that he would have said to the woman. And this would be, this, uh, let me just read these words to you. This is what this young man would say to his uh, wife-to-be. In my father's house has many rooms. If they were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Does this sound familiar? Right? It sounds familiar because these are the words of Jesus from John chapter 14. Before I go to make a place for you. That's what Jesus tells his disciples. So Joseph might have said those things to Mary. I'm going to make a place for you. I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to build our own room. So that you and I can live, so that you and I can start a family together. What was Joseph's dreams as he was building that room for them? What did he imagine things to be for his wife, for his future of his family? And all those dreams that he built, right? As he was building it, all of them came to a crushing halt. Because he learned that Mary was pregnant. Being engaged, as I said, was uh, when people were engaged, they were supposed to be in a covenantal relationship. Where they were to commit to each other during that time. And here, Joseph finds out that Mary might have stepped out of that covenantal relationship and is pregnant now. And the only course of action for that is that he would go and get a divorce from him. And we are told that he was a righteous man and he wanted to divorce her quietly so that he doesn't make a big scene because he had every right to embarrass Mary, to publicly humiliate her, disgrace her, not only disgrace her, but disgrace Mary's family as well. He had every right to do that, but here he does not do that. He wants to do it quietly. And when the angel comes to instruct uh, Joseph what to do, in the Old Testament, this happens quite often when you read other Old Testament stories. And what, the, what stood out to me is Joseph does things a little differently from others that I've read about in the Old Testament. For example, if you know the story of 
Gideon. Gideon was not a courageous man. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, mighty warrior. And Gideon looks around saying, who are you talking to? Right? And Gideon is not a courageous man. And the angel wants him to go and fight the battle. He wants him to take an army and fight the Philistines. He's not a warrior. He actually gives another excuse. Not only he's not courageous, he says, guess what? The lineage that I belong to, the tribe that I belong to, it's one of the weakest in all of Israel. Can you find somebody else? He gives excuses. One after the other. And the other person that kind of falls in the same vein is um, Moses. You remember the story of the burning bush? In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is there before the burning bush. And Moses is told to go to Egypt, to go talk to Pharaoh, to let his people go, God's people go out of slavery to the land that was promised to Abraham. And what does Moses do? Moses says, gives all the reasons why he's not right for the job. Why he does not belong in that place to be the leader. He tells, I have a speech impediment. I can't talk properly. And then goes on to say, I don't even know your name, God. What do I say? Who are you? The God of Abraham. He says, I don't have a sign. How will they know that you sent me? He comes up with all these excuses. One thing that is common between both Gideon and Moses uh, for us is I think they were worried about the future. I think they were worried of how things are going to shape up if they truly did what the angel was asking them to do. I can see Gideon being worried. He's not a leader. He's a timid guy. What is he supposed to do? I can see how Moses was worried about the future. You know, walk up to Pharaoh and say, hey, for the past 400 years, you've had free labor. Now I'm going to take all of them with me. How do you think that's going to go? He was worried about the future. And their worries were legitimate. Their worries were absolutely legitimate. For a second, let us imagine what worries just Joseph might have had. As he learned that Mary was unfaithful. What if Mary was unfaithful to him? And he marries her. He would be disgraced as a man in that community. What if the community found out? What would happen to them then? What worries were Joseph imagining at this moment in time? I'm sure there were some. And what I love about this story of Joseph is how he responds to the angel's message. How he responds to what the angel tells him to do. A reading from Matthew 1.20. After he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him 
the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place that the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel commanded him to do and took Mary home as his wife. This morning in the story, we don't read a monologue of Joseph giving all the reasons why this is a bad idea. He doesn't tell the angel, let me give you point one, point two, point three as to why this is a bad idea. Joseph does not share any of his concerns like the prophet, like Moses did, like the judge Gideon did. But he does what the angel told him to do. Here, Joseph, what he did was he surrendered his worries to God. He surrendered his worries to God. And in surrendering his worries to God, I believe Joseph was able to experience the greatest joy of being a father and a husband. Friends, this morning I want to ask you this question, even as we dream about these joyful things, as to what is stopping you from experiencing that joy. What is coming in your way that you're not able to find that joy? Maybe... Maybe you want to consider what Joseph did in terms of surrendering completely to God. May I invite you this day to surrender to God and do what God has laid on your heart. Because in doing so, we will experience the joy that can come only from the God we worship. Let us pray. A God who gives us joy. We are so grateful for all the ways you provide for us. God, we ask that today that you would give us the strength that Joseph had to completely trust in you and to surrender so that we can experience the joy that comes from you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.